Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Together, Galatians chapter number 2. Let me get there this morning. We're going to read a very uh, unfamiliar passage of Scripture, but I want to draw your attention uh, to a word in the passage this morning. The Bible says it's Galatians 2. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9. Bible says, And when James, Cephas... Now, if you study your Bible in John 1.42, Cephas was simply another name for Peter, one of God's disciples. So, in verse number 9, it says, When James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. Have you ever wondered sometimes why we do the things we do in church? Well, right here in Scripture, the Bible says they gave each other the right hand of fellowship. So when you walked around a few minutes ago and you shook hands, that's a biblical thing, all right? Sometimes we do stuff and like, why do we do that? Well, that was in the Bible. Now, some of the stuff we do is not biblical, but... uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's enjoyable, amen? If you eat five subs, I'm not sure if that's biblical, but it brings a lot of joy uh, to your body. So the Bible says that they gave each other the right hands of fellowship that they should go unto the heathen, and the Bible says, and they unto the circumcision. Father, I pray that you take this passage of Scripture. I pray you take your word today and do what human hands are not able to do do what, uh, Lord, uh, Lord a, a human voice cannot communicate to the hearts of people like the Spirit of God can. I pray that you'd work this morning. Lord, thank you that you've helped us so graciously this week. I've just been in awe, Lord, of your goodness and your glory and how that you've worked in every service in a unique way. And Lord, on this Sunday morning, I'm praying today one more time that you'd fill me with your Spirit. I know, Lord, I, I recognize my deficiencies And Lord, my failures, and Lord, I know without you I can do nothing. So I pray that you'd fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. I pray that you'd give us spirit-filled listeners today and help us to respond to what you'd want to say to our hearts. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm interested in a word that God used here, and of course you see it on the screen as well, uh, to describe these men in this passage and the word. Look back at the passage if you would. The Bible says that when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be, what is that word, church? Pillars, who seem to be pillars. Now, I'm interested in that word and what is meant by that statement uh, that they were pillars. Well, I believe what is meant by that particular statement is that these are men of reputation and of authority and of influence in the church. The Bible says they seem to be pillars. Now, that's not a statement of possibility, but of praise. These were leading men, uh, if you will, chief champions in the the church of God. Uh, They were influencers in what God considered his church. Now, just by way of introduction, let's consider the pillar, if you will, and its structure. I believe you understand that. I don't have a picture of it this morning. Uh, I've preached this message before and used some, uh, use a, a, a little more slides, but I won't do that today. But uh, you, uh, 
A pillar is simply described as a long, slender, vertical structure used to support maybe a superstructure or a column, if you will. If you think of things in history like the Parthenon uh, over in Athens, Greece, it has many beautiful pillars. Uh, as You can look at it, you can Google images of it, maybe not right now, but uh, images of architecture, you know, uh, men that, that, that beautiful things that have stood the test of time. As a matter of fact, we think about that one particular structure has been there for 2,500 years. I mean, incredible, survive storms and wars and fires. And now let me say, the primary uh, purpose of a pillar is to support. A pillar, and by the way, a pillar, no matter how good it's constructed, is useless unless it's on a solid foundation. And of course, that's not the message this morning, but it's true to understand that, uh, you know, you can, you can have as strong of a pillar as what you, what you can be, but if it's not a solid foundation, it can't support anything uh, unless... The grounding is right. And so James and Peter and John were no doubt a great support system for the church. And let me just say this again as a sidebar. You ought to be a support to your church. By the way, you being in church on a Sunday morning, you know what that is? That's supporting your church. It's encouraging to your preacher uh, whenever you're there. And oftentimes when you're not, and by the way, uh, there's going to be times that all of us are not able to be here. But if you can be here, you ought to be here and support the church and the work of the Lord. Uh, what a blessing that would be. But then I want you to consider this morning, I want you to consider not only the pillar and its structure, but I want you to consider the pillar and its significance this morning. Typically, now don't miss this because this is the message. Typically in Scripture, a pillar was always a representation of a testimony. Of a testimony. If you study in Joshua chapter 4, you find that uh, the children of Israel miraculously crossed the Jordan River. Now, they took stones, if you will, but they built a pillar on the other side of that Jordan as a memorial that one day, as people that would come by and they would see that pillar or they would see that testimony, it would remind them, here's what God did for us. And it would remind them that God did something miraculous. And they say, oh, the question was, what mean these stones? And again, that pillar would testify as to what God did in them and for them. This morning, just for a few minutes, I want to preach on that little word, pillars. Pillars. Mentioned all throughout the Bible, but I want us to look in three places this morning where pillars stood as a testimony that we need to take consideration to in our own lives. Take your Bibles, look at Exodus 13. I've not, made, I've not made you turn any this week, so we're going to look at three places. Exodus chapter 13. Now, it'll be up on the screen, but I want you to look with me if you have a Bible. Exodus 13, and look at verse number 18. Exodus 13, verse 18. The Bible shows us another instance of this word. This morning, first of all, I want to tell you that in Scripture, we see there are there is a pillar of faithfulness. Number one this morning, a pillar of faithfulness. Look at Exodus 13. In verse 18, the Bible says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Look at verse 21. And the Lord went before them, watch this, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar, there's our word again, a fire, to give them light to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. God led his people through the wilderness. 
And as he did, the Bible says he used a pillar, that word of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. It was a testimony of God's faithfulness to his people that, hey, if you'll follow in my path and you'll walk in my ways and I will, you know, I will be a pillar unto you of faithfulness. I'll be a cloud to you by day. I'll be a fire to you by night. And here's the interesting thing. As they walked, no matter how night the dark got, you know what was always there as a faithful uh, pillar of light to guide them? They could look up in the sky and see that pillar of fire and it was a reminder that our God's faithful. Hey, no matter how hot the sun beat down on them, they could look up and they could see a pillar of cloud by day and know that God was overshadowing them because he was faithful to walk with them through that wilderness time. Here's what they realized when they seen that pillar of fire by night and that pillar of cloud by day. It reminded them of one thing. It was a testimony of God's faithfulness. And here's what it said. We can count on God. We can count on God and he will not let us down. It is a pillar of faithfulness. And can I just say this to you this morning? I'm not foolish enough to think that everybody sitting in this building today, just because you're wearing a smile on your face, means everything in your heart and your life is good. And there's times that we face the fires of adversity that honestly, if somebody really knew what was going on in our hearts and knew what was going on in our life, man, it would, it would almost crush them, the weight of things we're carrying. But here's what I want you to know. No matter how dark the night you walk through, you'll always have somebody you can count on, and that's your God. He's a pillar of faithfulness in your life that will never disappoint you. He will never not Give light to God. He'll never not overshadow you in the midst of the heat of the day. We can count on Jesus. The hymn writer said, or the songwriter said, He never once has failed to meet my needs. I can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. This morning in the Bible, we see a pillar of God's faithfulness. I remember about two years ago, that there were some young people, and I knew that they were about to get some devastating news. By the way, one part of the ministry, the wonderful part of the ministry is this, what I get to do this morning, ministering, serving the Lord. There's another side of the ministry, too, where sometimes you got to sit across from the table and give some bad news to a family. There's some dark days, some dark days. I remember one day a man, a man in our church called us, and our pastor, and he said, guys, he said, I've done some really bad stuff. He said, and i got to tell my wife about it. Well, you talk about a very uncomfortable conversation. We said, well, we'll come with you. So we came. She come home. She was about to get bl the blind side of her life. Had no idea what was coming. We walked into the house with that man, sat at the table. He began to confess some things to his wife of unfaithfulness. Well, you're talking about a devastating weight of just, man, Heavy, heavy, heavy over that home and that family broke our hearts and the things they had to deal with. And sometimes there's days that, boy, you have to have things in your life that are uncomfortable, things that are unpleasant. And by the way, by the grace of God, over the last few years, God's reconciled that home. They're a faithful couple in our church together only by God's grace. But I remember uh, what led me to this particular passage of Scripture two years ago was I knew there were some young ladies that's fixing to get some devastating news about their family. Their family dynamic was about to change forever. And you know what? As God gave me this verse on that night, Brother Tim, I stood up with tears in my eyes, and I said, I want you to know something. You can count on Jesus. You can count on him no matter what you're about to face. And I knew what was coming, and they had no idea. And can I tell you this? 
Sometimes even when you don't know what's coming down the road. Hey, when you walk out of this revival today and realize, man, God sure has been good to us, tomorrow could be the worst day of your life. And if it is, here's what I want you to know. You can count on the faithfulness of God. He's a pillar of cloud by day. He's a pillar of fire by night. And sometimes when you're walking through the fire and you think, God, why am I here? There's not always an explanation for our circumstances, but here's what we can always count on. There'll be that pillar of God's faithfulness that'll walk with you all the way. And sometimes when you can't walk, He picks you up and carries you through what seems like an unimaginable tragedy, but God is faithful. By the way, some of you know that. Some of you know that so much better than I could ever know. Yesterday morning, I was coming out of the hotel. I was going to go play golf with Brother Paul and Brother Joe, and we was going to have a good time. And I just happened to get out there, and I, the guy was parked right beside me, and I said, how you doing? And he said, I'm doing all right. And I, I said, man, it's kind of a rough day to play golf. And uh, or I, I just said, I can't believe I'm about to go out here and do this. I said, uh, probably going to lose a lot of golf balls. He laughed. He said, I used to do that. And I said, well, listen, I said, I'm a, I said, I'm a preacher from North Carolina, just a preaching revival here. I said, uh, you know, just, just try to give him a witness, give him a track. And he stopped me and said, thank you for that. He said, we're here, he said, from Maryland because my 30-year-old daughter just died. He said, if you would, would you pray for me today? Sometimes you have no idea what somebody's going through. But here's what you can always be reminded of, that God's faithful. At the end of the day, if you get left sitting by yourself and the mess is all around you, don't you know that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He's a faithful God. I want you to look secondly this morning at Genesis chapter 19. We've only got three. Genesis chapter 19. Those sub sandwiches are not going to eat themselves over there. All right. So Genesis chapter 19. We need you to take them home because there are many, many feet of them. All right. And so it'll not be good over the weekend. Genesis 19. I want you to see here not only this morning is there a pillar of faithfulness in the Bible, we also see this. We also see in the Bible the very first mention of the word pillar that's ever found in Scripture is in Genesis 19. And it communicates a testimony, to be honest with you, that's a very disturbing thing. Secondly, in the Bible, we see this not only a pillar of faithfulness, but we see a pillar of failure. It communicates a testimony. And in Genesis 19, in verse number 26, the first time the words found in Scripture says this, but his wife, speaking of Lot, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. You see, the warning was given to get out and don't look back. Get out, and don't turn around. Remove yourself from this place. And by the way, God was so gracious that the angel himself, when Lot seemed as a, just a fool to his family, the angels uh, in gracious picked him up and said, get out of here and don't come back. Don't come back to this place of destruction. I'm going to destroy it. As a matter of fact, he said this, don't look back. Don't look back. But you know what? With a broken heart, the, the, and the Bible, by the way, tells us in Luke 17, 32, it says, remember Lot's wife. One of the most powerful verses of Scripture in the New Testament, Christ was warning us that Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt because she did not listen to the warning to not look back to the world. She just didn't listen. By the way, we are so susceptible to the things of this world. Some of my most vulnerable times spiritually are after days like today when I'm on my way home and just getting back and exhale from a meeting. And that's when the devil will try to lure me with things in this world. But the Bible tells us here, hey, this is a woman. By the way, can I just say this? Can I speak on the behalf of a mom here in the Bible? Because here's a lady who has emotional ties and her family is in Sodom and Gomorrah at that very moment as fire and brimstone falling from heaven. They are dying in the fire. 
I don't know a mama in this world, at least to my knowledge, I know there have been some, but I don't know a mama in her right mind who wouldn't do everything in her power to go back and save her babies. The preacher was talking a minute ago about not giving his child up. Brother Paul, I don't think I would either. I don't think I'd surrender my kids. I would die in their place before they would. But can you imagine this mama? She's leaving. She's got family left behind. And you know what she does? She turns, I believe, now you may disagree with this, but I believe she turns with a broken heart to look back. I know sometimes they say that, you know, that uh, she got out of Sodom, but they couldn't get Sodom out of her. I understand that. But I believe here's a mom with a broken heart. She's got family. Hey, they're dying in that mess. And she turns, but you know what? You know what the Bible said? Don't look. It didn't say as long as you have good intentions and motives, then you can look. No, the Bible says do not look. But regardless of her intentions, she seemed to justify her disobedience to God by, I'm just broken, I'm just broken. But the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. She paid for it with her life. And the truth is this, sometimes we justify what we do. Come on now. We justify the things that we do and say, well, it's just for, and as long as we feel like our intentions are right, then we can do the things that we're doing as long as we, you know, have our, our conscience appeased by that. But there are some times when you don't listen to God. Can you imagine being a bystander walking by that statue there, if you will, that maybe just crystallized altogether? I'm not sure how it happened. But if you were to walk by that, and here's a, a, the, you know, the form of a human being just crystallizing salt. You know what you'd see? You'd see a testimony of something. And it was a testimony of what happens when somebody don't listen to God. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's been so many times Today, if you'll hear my voice, harden not your heart. And there's been so many times that God has hearkened to individuals about things He wants to do in their life and they just not listen. And the Bible says, He that being often approved the heart of His neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You know, there is a time in God's love and justice that He will step in and say, that's enough. That's enough if you don't listen. Johnstown, Pennsylvania was 60 miles east of Pittsburgh, and many, many years ago in the 1800s, they had uh, a lake, uh, Konama uh, was the, the specific river that was there. Uh, it was a little river about 14 miles upstream from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Now, uh, they said it was 900 feet by 72 feet, and in order to uh, have this lake there, they had to build a dam around it because it was susceptible to flooding, that area was. And so they built a dam around this lake, and they said at that particular time, it become, uh, it become the largest earth dam in the United States, around the largest man-made lake at that time. And the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club were responsible for the maintenance of it. And on multiple occasions, they were warned about messing and altering the, you know, the, the dam itself. And they said, you need to make repairs to it. And there's some, uh, there's some inconsistencies there. Structurally, it's not stable. Eventually, this thing's going to give away. And they were warned over and over and over again, hey, you better give attention to this because one day, it's going to fall apart. And they never heeded the warning. Hey, they'd walk by, make an inspection. They said, hey, you need to give attention to this. And they, they never did. Finally, eventually, in 1889... Johnstown, Pennsylvania was home to 30,000 people. 
many of the people in the steel industry worked, uh, that worked and lived there. And on May the 31st, the residents were unaware of the rain that had been coming down on that particular day. Uh, they said the spillway at the dam become clogged with debris and could not be dislodged. And an engineer at the dam saw the warning signs and tried to warn the village. But they said telegraph lines were down. And at 3 p.m., the dam collapsed. It said caused a roar that could be heard for miles. 20 million tons of water rushed at 40 miles an hour at 37 feet high for 14 miles and destroyed an entire community of people. They said 2,209 people were killed in that incident. One of the worst tragedies in American history, if you read about it. Why'd it happen? Because somebody didn't listen. Somebody didn't listen. Somebody didn't heed the warnings. And by the way, you don't just hurt yourself when you don't listen. They didn't realize that, well, it's just us. It's not that big of a deal. When you refuse to listen, you're never the only casualty. There's always somebody else that is affected by your decision to not listen to God. I don't know what it may be this morning, but I know this. There's times that God is trying to speak into a life and speak into a heart. And you know what? Oftentimes you think, oh, I've got multiple opportunities. It may be the last time God ever says to you, Hearken unto me. Today, if you'll hear my voice, harden not your heart. And by the way, I don't know, I don't know your hearts. I have no idea. Listen, and I didn't ask for uh, Brother Paul what he think I ought to preach. And, you know, if you think I'm lying, then you can talk to him. But I, I've just been talking to God. But I realize this. I don't want to be this pillar of failure. Oh, God, help us. Take heed lest you fall. If a man thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Don't ever walk around with your nose stuck up in the air judgmental at somebody else because I'm going to tell you this, it could be you, friend. You could be the next casualty of sin. Uh, the Bible says in the Old Testament that many great men were slain by uh, that, uh, uh, that strange woman. But you know what? Uh, there's been many people in the Bible that fell prey. David, Samson, Solomon, heroes of the faith that fell on their face. And by the way, if they did, then I can we got to be guarded. we got to be careful. Let me give you the last one this morning in Genesis 28. There's a pillar of faithfulness. There's a pillar of failure. Look lastly in Genesis 28, verse 18, what I want to call this morning a pillar of fortitude. A pillar of fortitude. This is Jacob. And in chapter 28, verse 18, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took a stone that he had made uh, for his pillow, and he set it up for, look at this, set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. And the name uh, of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, I'll give. And he said, well, give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house. He said, then shall the Lord be my God. And the stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all of, he said, that, that shall give me. I will surely give a tent unto thee. Jacob. Jacob's in Bethel which is the house of God. He sets up this pillar of testimony. If, if you will, it's a commitment that, Lord, I'm going to follow you with my life. It's a pillar, if you will, of God. I owe everything to you. And Lord, I want to keep my commitment by setting up this pillar of testimony under you, God. It's a, it's a pillar of fortitude, of perseverance, of determination that, Lord, I want to do this and I want to be faithful to you. Can I just say this to you as, as we close this morning? As you think about this pillar of fortitude, you know, there's going to be some things we face in this life that are difficult. And there's a lot of lives that look very, very similar. A lot of times it's the foundation they're built on, hey, that whenever they're tested, that makes a difference. 
And I want to be one that stands the test of time, don't you? I have no idea when Jesus is coming. I don't know. I'm not a predictor. I have no idea. And by the way, neither do the guys that think they know, okay? Nobody knows the day or the hour, all right? Let me just go on record to say that. But I will tell you this. I'm going to stand before God one day, and I want to stand, I want to stand before him with a clean testimony. I pray all the time about how I finish. I want to finish. Listen, I want to finish right. And I, I, I want to finish well. I want to finish clean. I want to finish with the joy of the Lord in my life. I want to finish that way. Because here's what's interesting. Nobody ever remembers how you start. I just run a marathon about seven weeks ago. One of the hardest things that I've ever done. One of the dumbest things I've probably ever done in my life is what you're thinking, right? And trained for weeks and months to do that. You know what? I got started gloriously. I mean, I look like this guy's probably going to win when he got started. But you know what? Nobody remembers how you start. And about 22 miles in, you wouldn't understand it unless you've ever done it. You can read about it, but they call it hitting the wall, boinking out, if you will. And listen, I hit it at about 22 miles in and thought I got hit by a truck. I thought my body was falling apart. And I had a decision to make. Am I going to take all this time and effort and money that we've paid and get into this? You know what? Everything in me said, it's time to quit. My body, my legs were cramping so hard I couldn't even put one foot in front of the other at one point. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm going to hurt myself. You know what? Everything in my mind said, man, if you'll just step over to the side, we're done. We can go get a drink. You can call somebody, have them come pick you up. But you know what I thought? I thought it don't matter how I started. It matters that I finish. You know what I thought? I thought I didn't come all this way. I didn't drive five hours, pay hundreds of dollars in a hotel room for the race to just quit. And so you know what I did? I just picked up one foot and put it in front of the other. It took me a little bit longer than what I anticipated. But you know what happened eventually? I come across the home stretch. I seen the finish line, and I was able to finish. And you know what? That's what I want to do for God. I've, I've been doing this too long to just pull up in the middle of it and say, it'd be easier to quit. And how much easier would it just be to say, ah, you know, man, it's just been hard, and I've just been, I've been done wrong and all these other things. I'm just going to step to the side here, and it's going to be all right. No, I want to cross the finish line of heaven one day. By the way, not to win, but just to finish well and to please Him. And that ought to be, that ought to be your goal. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.